On July 2nd, two champions collide. The best in this damn business. He is walking Armageddon. Walking Armageddon. Lashley. I will die in this very same ring. He is the pride of Mexico. El Patron. This is my cause! An event 15 years in the making. Impact Wrestling presents Slam Aversary. Live July 2nd, only on pay per view. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the Two Man Power Trip. Oh my God, this is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the Two Man Power Trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the Prince of Pro Wrestling, and you are listening to Two Man Power Trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Woogie Man. Come on, people, my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there, this is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. same spear that he delivered to EC3 three times and then off the second rope to retain his championship Sunday at Bound for Glory. Eddie Edwards starting to get back up. Here comes the champion. Boston knee party! Boston knee party! Boston knee party! Eddie Edwards is world champion! Eddie Edwards did it! Eddie Edwards is now world champion! Holy and new TNA World Champion, Eddie Edwards! Don't call it a miracle! Eddie Edwards defeated Lashley with a Boston knee party! And now, Eddie Edwards, I can hardly believe it, is World Champion! Anything could happen here in the Impact Zone! We just witnessed it, Daddy! What a night for Eddie Edwards! New champ, don't go anywhere while Wolf Creek starts right now. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, and you are listening to episode number 280 
of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast, a podcast that you can catch two times a week and download from any of the places that you get your podcast from, whether it's iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, Podomatic.com, or even Podbean. You never know who's going to be on the other end of the line with the two-man power trip of wrestling. And now also head on over to the IRW Network on Mondays to catch the brand new Triple Threat Podcast featuring the two-man power trip of wrestling and the franchise Shane Douglas, an exclusive show brought to you by the IRW Network and IRWnetwork.com. So get three doses of the two-man power trip of wrestling in the podcast world and accept no substitutes. Now, if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And John, today on the show, we head back to the Impact Zone, and we get ready for this huge Slammiversary pay-per-view on July 2nd with a double dose of Impact Wrestling with Eddie Edwards and also Eli Drake joining us for a gigantic program hyping up the last stitch effort here for Slammiversary. Obviously, we've got two huge matches for both of our guests today. First, Eddie Edwards obviously had a great year this past year in Impact Wrestling, winning the World Heavyweight Championship and kind of breaking off on his own and establishing himself as a singles competitor in Impact Wrestling. And he'll be teaming with his wife to take on the team of Davey Richards and his wife, Angelina Love, in a full metal mayhem match. And it's going to be something that is uh, definitely, uh, it's been brewing and it's definitely going to come to a crescendo. And it's going to be an insane match. And Eli Drake is going to be with his buddy Chris Adonis against Moose with D'Angelo Williams. And again, you get an NFL star in Impact Wrestling. It is like they've got some of the greatest football players to ever step on the gridiron that head down to the Impact Zone. And it's something that's always a spectacle. And you never know what you're going to get in the Impact Wrestling football relationship. And uh, we got another chapter here as a former guest of ours in Moose is going to have D'Angelo Williams watching his back at Slammiversary. But let's start off with Eddie Edwards. And what we're going to do is we're going to build up these two interviews here. And you're going to hear Eddie Edwards first. And then you're going to hear Eli Drake coming straight out of the Eddie Edwards interview. And having talked to his former partner, Davey Richards, about a year ago, it was pretty cool again to tie up another tag team and as well get the other side of the tag team perspective from a guy like Eddie Edwards, who's got such a great background learning up in the New England area from Killer Kowalski and all the fine folks that are up in that New England Boston wrestling training ground up there, learning with Brian Fury and some of those just amazing trainers. And actually a really cool kind of takeaway we have here is talking about the mofo Steve Bradley, who is definitely a guy forgotten who passed away tragically uh, quite a while ago, and uh, we've talked about him a few times on the show, and every time somebody talks about Steve Bradley, there's always uh, a lot of meaning behind it, and Eddie Edwards gets pretty emotional talking about Steve Bradley, but Eddie Edwards has just gone on to do so many great things since departing Ring of Honor and signing with Impact Wrestling, and he's hit that mainstream and he's definitely uh, built quite the reputation in those big matches and has had some of the best performances that Impact Wrestling has broadcasted in the past year plus. But that's not also to sell short Eli Drake, who John and I were watching back in Championship Wrestling from Hollywood about two years ago when the show started and said, how has nobody not picked this guy up? And then lo and behold, TNA at the time, Impact Wrestling, 
brought in then Sean Ricker, now Eli Drake, and the rest, as they say, is history as he's been able to carve out quite the niche for himself in the impact zone. But, John, as I welcome you in here, why don't you talk a little bit more about Slammiversary as well as the two interviews that we have loaded on this episode today as we finally are able to get to Slammiversary live on pay-per-view on July 2nd with some of the best action Impact Wrestling has to offer I've been excited pumping it up the last couple of weeks for Impact Wrestling, and I know you have as well, but why don't you tell us some of the things we have to look forward to in this double shot on the two-man power trip of wrestling and then get it right over to Eddie Edwards. Yes, Chad, that's right. The big, huge, monumental pay-per-view coming this Sunday live and only on pay-per-view. That is Slammiversary 15. Yes, the 15th anniversary of Slammiversary. And like we heard from James Storm and like we heard from Bruce Prichard, this will be the rebirth of Impact Wrestling. Obviously, TNA no more. Global Force Wrestling no more as all the titles will be combined. You got a huge main event. Bobby Lashley versus Alberto El Patron for all the marbles. But of course, pertaining to this huge monumental episode itself, we're looking at Eli Drake's match as he teams with Chris Adonis versus Moose. Moose. Moose and former, actually kind of current NFL star, D'Angelo Williams. So that should be a very, very fun, interesting contest with a lot of eyeballs on that and a lot of mainstream attention. And then, of course, the big brawl, the big, you know, epic bloodbath that it's going to be. Eddie Edwards and Alicia versus Davey and Angelina it's going to be a full of metal mayhem, and it's going to be crazy, and you know it's going to be an epic, all-out, street fight, bloody brawl between those four. And yes, the women are going to get crazy as well, and maybe even crazier than the guys. So Eddie's got a big, big match on the card, and he's going to be featured prominently, and obviously Eli Drake is going to be uh, you know, all over mainstream media, and he will be big time prominently featured as well so it's awesome to be able to get the chance to interview eddie and eli but to get them jam-packed here on this huge a few days before slammiversary episode is just great for us and you know love helping out impact wrestling we love promoting impact wrestling and we really do think that the rebirth is upon us of impact wrestling as a slammiversary 15 this sunday live and only on pay now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rose, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. 
And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. Follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 as we hit the road and we come to a town near you. Monroe, New Jersey on June 10th. Keyport, New Jersey on June 10th. Then we head on down to New Kent, Virginia on July 15th for the Crockett Cup. Then follow us down to Philadelphia where we hit the Icons Collectors Fest at the 2300 Arena. So please follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 because you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, a former ROH World Heavyweight Champion, a former ROH Tag Team Champion, he's a former TNA Tag Team Champion, and of course a former TNA World heavyweight champion. He is a Impact Wrestling star. He is Eddie Edwards. Please enjoy. On the line tonight is a former Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion, a former Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, the only wrestler ever to win the Impact and ROH Triple Crown. He is diehard Eddie Edwards. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, we are uh, we're so thrilled to have you on to talk about the big one, Slammiversary, the 15th anniversary of Impact Wrestling on July 2nd on pay-per-view. And we've been talking about it on the show for the last week plus and just talking about all the excitement around the 15th anniversary, all the excitement around Slammiversary. And obviously, you yourself are in for a pretty big night in the intergender full metal mayhem with you and Alicia versus Davey and Angelina Love. And this is going to be one for the record books. What are your thoughts as we get into Slammiversary? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'm excited, obviously, Slammiversary is, uh, you know, it's such a big event, and it's it's something that, you know, the boys in the back, I feel like the office, and, you know, the fans, we all kind of kind of try to bring something, you know, bring something extra or something special, because, you know, you can feel in the air that it is Slammiversary, it's the 15th anniversary of uh, Impact Wrestling, so, you know, we want to go out there and represent the company that we best we can, and just go out there and put on a show, and, uh, as far as my match, I'd say, you know, I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it, of course. Um, but, you know, I would be lying if I said I'm not, you know, a bit, you know, not nervous, but I have the butterflies. It's, it's a big match. It's uh, There's a lot of risks that go into a match like this, obviously. And, uh, you know, having my wife by my side, obviously I'm concerned for her well-being. Um, you know, because you go into a match like this and you know that there's going to be, you know, bumps and bruises and, you, the next day you're not going to be feeling normal. You go into that knowing that, and, and I'm perfectly okay with that. You know, you have to make peace with that ahead of time or you're not going to succeed in it. So I'm a okay with it. I know my my wife is ready to go. 
Um, so it's uh, it's got to be something, like you said, something to remember. We will uh, we will go out there and leave it all out there and leave it all on the line. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. And we've been talking about this. It's almost like this is uh, almost like the uh, the continuation of this impact genesis and and making impact great again and all those great catchphrases that have gone along with uh, this just revamping of impact wrestling. But you know, one cannot leave out the fact that your world title victory was pretty much what I I think changed a lot of people's perception of Impact Wrestling. So obviously, kind of building that into Slammiversary and you and and Davey just absolutely killing each other along the way and now getting to Slammiversary to add the wives into it, it's a whole different dynamic. But do you feel like with you two, obviously, you know, it's there, the heat is there, but adding the wives in I think is the huge X factor because we've already seen that they can get pretty physical themselves. Yeah, I think it's... You know, it's taking that next step. People have seen, you know, people have seen, you know, two guys go against each other, and you know, anything goes. And the street fights, and myself and Davey, you know, we've done the street fight, and anything goes, and last man standing, you know, that type of stuff. But like you said, when you add in those wives, it's just something. It's the X factor, just something extra that you don't know what to expect. You know, people don't know what to expect, and I think it it adds that little bit of intrigue, and it's also something that I feel that fans can relate to. You know what I mean, like. We've all been in relationships, and you can only imagine how, you know, how I feel by, you know, Angelina attacking Alicia and stuff like that. So I think people can relate to it, and it's it's a whole nother level for us to go. And it's, you know, it's interesting for us because we get to, you know, see what else we can do, what else we can create with what we have. And uh, so far, I, you know, I've really enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm very proud of, you know, what Alicia has done and brought to the table, as well as Angelina. They've, you know, they really brought some, some good stuff to the table. Yeah, it's a natural uh, it's a natural rivalry. Obviously, a great team like you and Davey have been for so many years. And then of course, we all love watching the teams. We love watching you guys together, but we love watching the teams break up in the wars because you know the chemistry's there, you know you guys in the ring are just getting, your timing's going to be on point. And it's really cool to see that the wives were added in, but there's just again with with Impact, there's so many great things going on and one of the things we've been talking about with the guests in, uh, you know, kind of tying it into the pay-per-view is just so many of the positives that have been happening. And this recent India trip has really been on the top of that list because obviously wrestling in the uh, in India and that market has been exploding. And you guys just completely tore the house down for that whole entire tour. But what do you kind of think looking back at how that tour was for you guys in terms of the build for Slammiversary? Uh, you know, I think, it was, like you said, I think it was great. It was, um, it's something that obviously I never, never expected to be able to do. So be able to go over to India and, you know, explore, see the country and, and, you know, meet the people and be able to wrestle in front of that audience over there. It was something, it was something unique and something special. It's like, a, you know, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So, and I think, I think everybody felt the same going into it, you know, as far as the wrestlers in the office and stuff that let's go out there and show these people, show these fans what we can do and what, what we're trying to do and, and the fans brought it and they gave it right back man like those fans they were insane and it was awesome to feel because you know when you're getting it from the fans and then they're you know their next level out there they're forcing us to take it to the next level so that was something very special and I think you know the build-up for the whole company you know it was nice to see it was cool to be able to do it in India to have the last lead-up shows to Slammiversary over there and the fans, you know, followed along and the fans knew what was going on with the product. So it was cool to see that over there, the, the storylines are, are, are still going forward and the people are on, are on them and they're following along, 
you know, episode by episode. So uh, I think that we're right where we need to be right now going to Slammiversary. Yeah, those fans were awesome. And uh, whether it was, you know, I, I think it was James Storm was saying to us, you know, whether it was a hip toss or a headlock, they were into every single thing. And that just makes the matches better. It makes the TV presentation better. But, yeah, like these, these shows leading up to Slammiversary being in front of frantic crowds like that, not that it kind of uh, sets the uh, the bar for what the fans should be uh, really doing at a wrestling show, but it just kind of, it, I'm sure it makes your job a lot easier when the fans are just on the edge of their seat for every move that you guys are ready to pull out. Oh, definitely. I, I was watching, you know, from, from with the people, I was making sure to see, you know, how they were and how they were reacting. And the first match, you know, of the event was Caleb Colony versus Loki. And the crowd's going crazy before anything happens and they tie up and they sit, they're all on their feet and they're cheering. And to be able to see that and be able to feel it, that's when you know, like, all right, this this is when, you know, <laughs> taking bumps or, or getting hit by things don't hurt quite as much because you have that adrenaline. You can you can feel that adrenaline going. And uh, it definitely comes across, you know, real good or, or it comes across amazing on TV as far as how these people are reacting. And, it may, you know, like you said, it just makes the atmosphere, whether you're watching at home or if you're in the building, it's just something special. Yeah, it's definitely something special. But there's something special brewing with Impact Wrestling and the roster you guys have right now. You know, there's been critics for many years that have either been wishing for something bad to happen in the company or expecting something bad to happen, but it always seems to come out on top. And right now this roster is stacked. It's got guys from Impact's past. It's got guys from the middle portion of the Impact legacy, which I would include you and Davey in the middle of that of coming in around 2014. And then the stars that are coming in now, do you feel – that this roster may be the strongest that Impact has had since you've been there? You know, that's, that's tough to say because I feel since since we've been there, I've always felt that the roster was, in you know, next level. Like, the roster was always going out there and putting on, you know, the best product that we can and putting in the best matches going, you know, for the crowd. But, you know, right now I feel that it might be the best time as far as everybody clicking but from the wrestlers in the back to the office, you know, to everybody that everybody's on the same page going forward. Everybody knows what the goal is, and that's to bring impact to that next level, to bring impact to new people and to to new eyes and show people what we can do. And I think we're all on that same page right now. So it's always a lot easier to do that when we all know which direction we want to go and what the main goal is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I like I said before, I think it's to make impact great again. It might be – uh, a cliche slogan, but it is perfect for what you guys are doing because it is making it great again. And I think there's just so many positives. But you know, just kind of dialing it back to the uh, the actual match itself. Like, what are your expectations for it? You know, at the end of the day, it's going to be a brutal match. These full metal mayhem matches are just absolutely uh, they're monstrous and they can do a lot of damage. So, what are your expectations for this match, especially having the spotlight of being on a huge pay per view? Uh, you know. Uh, I expect pain. <laughs> you know, like, like I said, I expect I, I expect some injuries, and that's fine because I also expect to go out there and ha- you know be in front of a great crowd and try to do some things that I've never been done before. You know what I mean? Like uh, I have some I, we have some ideas, some ideas brewing now, and it's like to be able to go out there on a big on the biggest show of the year at Slammiversary, go out there in front of that crowd and have the opportunity to have this match. 
it's we need to create we need to make it memorable this is what these matches are for we want to have people talking about this for years and years to come not just a week not just a month but for years and we have to go out there and we have to put our bodies on the line and i am okay with that i'm i am ready to do that because this is why we do it this is why we wrestle for the people to make memories you know what i mean this is what it's all about so i i'm excited i've I've lost sleep on, on certain nights where I'm thinking about it. I can't stop thinking about the match and stuff like that going forward. So uh, I hope the fans are feeling the same way as far as going into this match. And uh, and I say the, the higher the expectations from the crowd, the better, because we need to think that same way and we need to deliver. And speaking about, you know, making moments and memorable moments, Chad kind of touched on it before, but when you beat – Bobby Lashley, and you end up, you know, cashing in option C, if you will, and you, you, know, you cash in the X title, you win the world title. What was that like? That was a shock for the fans, but that was an awesome moment for the history of Impact. Yeah, man, it was, it, obviously, uh, as far as just being a bit selfish, it was, you know, it was an awesome moment for myself. Like, uh, obviously, that's why, you know, we get into wrestling. We want to be the best in any company we go to. We want to be able to win the world title. That's That's what it's all about. And to be able to go out there and against, you know, an athlete the caliber of Bobby Lashley and to be able to beat him and hold that world championship in the middle of that ring, it was surreal. You know, it was it was something that I've always obviously wanted to do, like I said, but you never know at some point. You, you, there's ups and downs in, in any job, but in professional wrestling as well, there's these ups and downs. And sometimes you don't know if you're going to get there. You don't know if it's all going to be worth it. You know what I mean? But at that moment when I was in the ring and I held that world title and uh, Brian Hebner raised my hand, that's when, you know, that moment, it's all worth it. You know what I mean? Everything, the injuries, the travel, the no losing sleep, the, the missing out on family uh, obligations and stuff like that. It's all worth it at that moment because the fans are behind you and you can feel that you're in that moment. Like you said, you're in that moment. And obviously for me, that's something I'm never going to forget. I hope for the fans as well, they feel the same way. Now, was that one of those moments where you knew going in you were going to win the world title? Because so many different guys say, like, oh, I didn't know until I showed up that day, or, you know, this or that. Is this something that was building that they were always going to give you the title? Like, we were surprised by it. Were you as the, the talent, were you surprised by it as well? Uh, like, you, like you said, it may be a bit cliche, or maybe it's been said before, but I didn't know until I got there. I, I had no idea. Uh, I heard, you know, those rumblings of, hey, we're going to do some cool stuff this week at the tapings, we're going to have some fun. Like, oh, yeah, always, of course, whatever. And then, you know, I got word and I, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? It was it was a shock to me. I'm, and I can only imagine how it was for the people watching. Oh, huge shock, but awesome moment, great surprise. And I think a lot of people were not really surprised by the fact that you and Lashley gel so well together. It's just like almost – it seems like a clash of styles at times, but, you know, because he's more of the power guy and you, you got the athleticism and you're kind of more of the technical guy. you got great technique. How were you and Lashley able to kind of have all these different matches, whether it be an Iron Man match or, or you know, a street fight or whatever? How are you guys able to have just these awesome matches with great chemistry? You know, sometimes, sometimes you don't click with people and sometimes you do it. And there's not always a rhyme or reason to it. It just happens. But I think uh, going into it, you know, myself and Lashley just looking at us through we're, we're squaring off in the ring like 
it's that built-in story. It's David versus Goliath. You know, it's that underdog trying to overcome this giant evil villain, basically. You know what I mean? And so I think that helps because the fans, once again, they can relate to that. Everybody's had to deal with that at some point in their lives. And, you know, people like to like to get behind an underdog. I know I do. So, you know, to be able to do that, that we have that story behind us. And then, you know, Lashley's an, Lashley's an unbelievable athlete. He's a great a great athlete. He's an unreal wrestler. So, uh I didn't think I wasn't ever concerned that we would, we wouldn't click. I feel, I don't know if it was ahead of time just from, you know, watching him for years and stuff like that, but, and doing little things in the past, but I just kind of knew that, all right, this is going to be fun. This is, we're going to have some, some good stuff. Cause like you said, it's a, it could be considered a clash of styles, but it also could be just two styles coming together to try to make something great. And I, and I feel that um, at times we were able to do that. I really, I really enjoy wrestling Lashley. He's uh he's a very talented individual in any in any aspect or any sport that he gets into, obviously. And then you know, you guys definitely awesome like you say clash styles, but awesome chemistry. You guys are able to have all these great matches. But what about a guy like Davey Richards? You guys mesh together so well whether you're teaming or wrestling against each other. That's almost like one of those natural chemistries you guys mix so well together, whether it's wrestling together or against each other oh definitely that was something that was just completely natural you know when we first uh started tagging you know davy had pitched to ring of honor to for us to tag you know he was obviously in the company before me and he had higher you know better status at that point he was pitching for it just because he kind of saw you know we were similar in a lot of ways and as far as like styles and mentality and stuff like that so um but still, even at that point, you don't know. You don't know how it's going to go and start, you know, getting together. Because, you know, we're from different places. We were trained differently, but uh, we still had that mentality that was very similar. So when we started tagging, even to this day, or even till that son of a bee turned his back on me, um, <laughs> every every match, every day, something else would click. It was like somehow we continue to have these chemistry grow and grow and grow every match or every day that we were with each other, which is something that I, that I feel is very unique in professional wrestling or maybe any sport, who knows? But um, it was something that was very, it was cool to be a part of because we're in the ring and we're wrestling and we're in the ring, we're tagging. And I know he's going to do, he knows what I got to do. He gives me this look. I know this. And I give him this look. And it's like, we were one step ahead of each other when we were teaming. And it's also that way when we're wrestling each other, because you know, he's going to push me to to my limits, no doubt. And I want to do the same to him. I want to push him. And we want to just make sure that what we're doing out there is the best that we can do. We don't want to, we don't want to leave anything in the, in the tank. We don't want people to ever second guess what we're doing out there. And I feel that as far as when we're tagging in against each other, nobody has ever said, man, that was, that was kind of a letdown. Or I, I think those guys kind of half-assed it. No, I think, you know, whenever we go out there, whether it's against or with each other, we leave it all out there and we give, you know, 110%, the cliche saying, but we do that and we leave it all in the ring for each other and for the people. That's what we do. You guys are awesome. Awesome chemistry, like you said, whether wrestling or, you know, against each other or, or tagging. But do you think the fact that maybe he's pissed that you won the ROH title before him and you won the TNA world title for him, you think that plays a factor? I think there's a lot of things that go into it. And I think the biggest factor in it is 
somebody by who goes by the name of Angelina Love. That would be the biggest factor in all of this, uh, putting thoughts and ideas into into his head, which, you know, and maybe they weren't there on his own, but uh, she has definitely been the force behind it all uh, at this point. Can't trust those women for sure. <laughs> and, you know, when the Wolves came into TNA and you guys were a team in the end, you win the tag titles, it felt like everything was great and you guys were doing great. When you first came into TNA, you know, kind of surprised the world a little bit with MVP. You guys were like the big free agents. What was your, you know, original thoughts there? It was like uh, coming together as a team and then divide and conquer, or, or did you want to be a team for a longer period of time? Uh, when we were, you know, when we came in as a team, the goal was to stay a team for as uh, a foreseeable future for as long as we can because, you know, to, like we discussed just a little bit ago as far as the chemistry stuff, to have a tag team like that, to be a team with that type of chemistry, I think it's tough to come by, as I said. So we wanted to run with it as far as we could and push it to the limit and see, and see what we could do because we knew that, you know, a team like that, uh, us together it's something that's unique and we're also uh, unique in the fact that you know we could divide and conquer at any time we could do you know we go singles matches we go x division we could do world title matches and we go back to tag and that was kind of my thinking along that you know we we both had to deal with some injuries and stuff so it was kind of like you know somebody's injured or whatever we have to go off and do our own thing that's fine but in the end to come back and you know conquer once again as a tag team yeah, and obviously one of the best tag teams of this generation. Just a perfect mix uh, of two guys that just really – I mean, it, it, there's so much – again, we could just hit cliches over the head <laughs> like crazy. But, you know, what do you think it was, though, about you guys? I mean, you kind of – you definitely elaborated there. But what do you think it was about you guys pairing up against some of the better tag teams in the business? Did you guys feel like you guys had that chip on your shoulder that you could con- you could kind of go with anybody, or did you uh, do you feel like you had something to prove when you went in there with some of the bigger uh, bigger teams once you made that jump, you know, to uh, to impact? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of how we were all along. We always had something to prove. We always wanted to be the best, you know, have the best matches on the show and stuff like that. And we, you know, you have to have a bit of a chip on your shoulder. So, like you said, when we did get to impact, and you know, we're going up against legendary tag teams, you know, Team 3D and the Hardy Boys, like that, like, to be able to go in a ring with those guys, we know we have to step up our game. Those, they are proven they, they are proven entities. They are proven legends, Hall of Fame tag teams. And we have to go out there, like, and we know, you know, we know what they would be thinking. We know what the fans are thinking, that we're, you know, we're the new kids on the block. Here we go. Let's see. Let's see if we can hang with those types of teams. And not only did we hang, but – we were able to, to get victories over both teams and, and just go out there and put on matches that I feel that I am very proud of what we did. Um, and I think, and I know for a fact that we earned those teams respect and I feel that the fans could sense that at the end of it all. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think uh, also from the hardcore fan perspective, crossing some dream matches off the, uh, the list, especially with the Hardys, and then from basically from there on, the Hardys went on to just do what they absolutely did uh, through Impact and then what they're doing now. And that that kind of genesis was crazy. But was that a bucket list team for you guys, uh, you know, for the uh, the actual team of the Wolves, was to face a team like the Hardys? Oh, no doubt. I, I mean, speaking for myself, it's definitely something. Like, I, 
I was a fan, you know, I was a fan of the Hardy Boys. I'm a fan of Team 3D. And to be able to go out there and have the, the match against the Hardys yeah, in in New York City with the crowd going crazy, it was something that, a feeling that I'll never forget. But, yeah, like you said, it's a it was a dream match. Not I don't know about the fans or whatever, but it was a dream match for myself as long as well as Team 3D. You know what I mean? Those are, like I said, two bona fide Hall of Fame teams, and we got to go out there and wrestle them. And uh, I was very pleased with with how that went. Yeah, and, uh, you know, wrestling in New York City is one thing, but the guy that helped get you into the business uh, wrestled in New York City many, many times. So I'm sure, you know, with the fact that that was such a big deal for Impact, and I know you wrestled there with ROH and New York City being kind of the mecca of professional wrestling on paper. You know, do you feel like uh, you were doing uh, Killer Kowalski proud by uh, taking the – taking the New York City world by storm there, and you guys having such a great run with that set of TV tapings. That really helped change, I think, a lot for Impact as well about two years ago. Yeah, I, you know, I would like to think that that he's proud, that he would be proud. You know, I, that's something that, he, he, that I carry with me all the time. You know, I was trained by Killer Kowalski, and I got to go out there, and I got to represent to the best of my ability. And I, I would like to think at this point he'd be nodding in approval from above, you know. Um, and as far as like, you know, kicking things off or, or into, to another level when we had those matches, I feel like it did that for us. Um, definitely. You know what I mean? We got to have those matches and then it felt like, Oh man, our momentum was just, we were just on fire as far as having these matches and, you know, we're having more time with promos and vignettes and stuff. Like we just felt like we were on a roll at that point. And, you know, it's because of working teams like the Hardys and team 3d that we were able to do that. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, I just want to touch on that, uh, you know, that that area of the country, that New England training ground that uh, Killer Kowalski set the ball rolling. And obviously, we know some of the big names that came out of his uh, his training camp. But the guys that you train with, uh, no slouches themselves, and still kicking ass uh, in a lot of different places. But I think a lot of people need to know about that part of the country and and training in New England and the crew that you guys. Uh, Brian Fury and Hanson, you guys up there, really, you just did an amazing job of uh, kind of growing yourselves. But if you can, just give us a little overview of uh, of that training ground in New England and uh, the crop of guys that are coming out of there. It's always been one of the hotbeds for training in uh, in the country. Yeah, man, you, you just said it like it's been a hotbed for, for years. Since I started in 2001 at Killer Kowalski's, there was, you know, there's always been shows and going on in New England, and there's been, you know, uh, couple different schools here and there but it's always been I don't know what I don't know what it is obviously there's great trainers especially like Killer Kowalski when he was here um you know Brian Fury now training other guys at his school and I was lucky enough to train with Steve the mofo Steve Bradley up in New Hampshire and so did a lot of other guys in the area there was just a lot of guys that wanted to pass on their knowledge and a lot of guys who wanted to be great who wanted to get out there and who wanted to be professional wrestlers so when you have that and you mix it all together you're going to put out some some great talent and there's no doubt that we have and it's it's weird because I, I think now maybe it's it's kind of getting out there that New England has a lot of good wrestlers and you know a lot of good shows at this point but you know back years ago it was like it was kind of like a secret it kind of like a hidden thing people would come up here and like, Oh man, I didn't know there's so many, so many good guys up here. And that's how it's been. Like I said, since I started. So it's nice to see uh, people getting some recognition at this point out of this area. 
Oh, yeah. It's so much good wrestling, and it's pretty great. Steve Bradley just got a shout-out, got to mention, because that's an underrated guy that kind of goes under the radar. What was it like with him? Because I feel like a lot of people don't either remember him or maybe they, they just forgot about him. Yeah, man, he was a, a, a genius. He was unbelievably smart as far as wrestling. It's it, it's a shame that more people don't know about him and, and about what he did and about the people that he helped create. You know what I mean? Like when I went up there and I, and I trained with him, it was just like, you know, a knowledge bomb dropped on me. And I was it was just uh, amazing to start to get, you know, you think you get it at some point when you first start wrestling. Oh, yeah, I get I get it. This is how you know this match. This is why I do that. But then you get somebody else who comes along and just really opens your eyes as far as professional wrestling, and that's what he did. And he was a a great guy. He, uh, you know, he opened up a school when he got released from developmental. Opened up a school, started training guys, started running shows, and it was a great thing. That talk about a great thing for New England area. That was that was one of them because the knowledge he passed on. Is something that I, I will never forget, and uh, I know quite a few guys who feel that same way. You know, Brian Fury, Mike Bennett, Brandon Locke, like a lot of guys that his knowledge has passed on, and uh, I'm very grateful to have had that with him. And when you have great trainers, it comes you know with some great opportunities that you're able to get, like going to pro wrestling Noah and going to Japan. Is that something that you always wanted to do? You know, were you always kind of like, wow, it would be really great if I got to wrestle in Japan, you know, at least a couple times, obviously. You know, you made multiple oh, tours, but yeah. what are your thoughts on Japan? Oh, always. That was always one of my goals. You know, because I was a big fan of guys that had done that in the past, and I wanted to travel in their footsteps. Guys like, you know, Chris Jericho, you know, Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, those guys who have done that. And I wanted to do that, man. I wanted to go over there, and I wanted to train in the dojo, and I wanted to live there and see how it was because, like I said, because I've, I've read and I've seen that so many guys have did that before, and I was a fan of Japanese-style wrestling, and I was lucky enough to do it, and I'm still able to do it today. I'm going actually in a couple of weeks over again. And I Japan has a special place in my heart, another place that – I got to, I did get to stay in the pro wrestling Noah dojo. I got to train over there. And so it's another thing where I got to train with these guys and in, in, in the style and learn the respect from Japanese pro wrestling. And it's another aspect of my career, of my game that, uh, you know, I wouldn't, that I'm very lucky to have. Um, but Japan's very special to me. And I always enjoy going over there and I always enjoy going back. I enjoy their matches. Um, yeah, I I would go. I mean, I would go over there and live over there again if if need be. That's that's how much of a fan I am of Japan. And especially that time when you first were going to Noah, they were as hot as ever. They were the number one promotion in Japan. And obviously, when you talk about pro wrestling Noah, you got to talk about the boss himself, Masawa. Did you have any interaction with him, and what was it like working for him? Yeah, I mean, one of the first shows, first events that I was. At you know I, was, I wasn't wrestling for them at that point. I was just training, you know, quote unquote young boy. That's what I was. Um, so I'd be like a second. I'd be around the ring during matches. But one of the first events I was at was the 2005 Tokyo Dome show. Which you know, I mean, if I was ever gonna go to a show and, and see what it's like, that was it. And it was um, you know it was amazing. It was amazing. And I was lucky enough to have a few you know being a, some tags, six mans and tags against Misawa. Uh, 
I was able to I was able to hang out with him a couple times outside of the ring and uh, do some karaoke with him and do a little bit of drinking and hanging out. And so that's again something that you know I'm very grateful for and something that I will never forget. And of course I will never forget getting elbowed or forearm by him. So um, that, like you said, it was, it was such a hot time at that you know hot time for pro wrestling Noah. It was uh, I I was couldn't have been happier. Oh, being over there and training, I, I, you know what I mean? Even though I wasn't wrestling, I wasn't in the ring at that time, just being a part of it was something special. Unbelievable to not only take an elbow from him, because arguably he might be the greatest wrestler of all time, but to also at the end of the night, beer and and then sing karaoke with him too. Exactly. And I'll never forget he requested requested the Beach Boys, so had to to deliver for him. (laughs) Oh, that's great. And also at that point in Noah, Kenta was arguably at his hottest. Now, obviously, Hideo Itami in, in NXT, he just, uh, you know, he had a title shot or whatever. But arguably, he was at his hottest at that point when you when when, when you were wrestling him. Because now he's gone through some injuries and stuff like that. At that point, he was on fire. What do you think about working with Kenta at that point? Oh, man, I loved it. He was one of my favorite opponents. Him and uh, Mara Fujinamichi, you know what I mean? Those two... Where I was big fans of those guys before I was able to go over there. You know, I'd, I'd seen the tapes and stuff like that. They were these two young guys coming up, pushing the limits, you know, having these unbelievable matches. So, I, you know, those are two guys that I wanted to face when I went over there. And then when I was there, getting to wrestle Kenta, you know, I got to wrestle Kenta singles, got to wrestle him for the GHC junior title, which, uh, you know, in Nagata, I was very – uh, you know, that's one of those moments, again, that I'm very proud of and very grateful for. Uh, I've got to wrestle him in Fuji numerous times in tags and singles. I got to wrestle him in Brazil at one point, at, you know, at a random show. So, yeah, to see those guys come up like that, it was it was pretty cool because, like you said, they were just – they were on fire, on fire. And just so the crowd was – so behind them that's what i strive to be you know what i mean it's always nice to see it firsthand to see what you should you know, try to be to try, how you should try to relate to these fans and stuff like that and that was it watching kenta and marifuji in that ring and try to try to elevate their game and, and elevate themselves as far as on the card and stuff like that you saw them grow throughout their careers to be on the top which you know they both are at this point Kenta was awesome. Obviously, Masao was awesome. But like you said, Marafuji, even so now, he might be uh, one of the best in the world, period. If, you know, if you've seen some of his stuff lately, he's still tearing it up. And even when he had a, a few brief appearances in New Japan last year, he was tearing it up with Okada. So still, those guys are still on top of the game. And then you throw in a guy like Nakajima, who at that point wrestling you was kind of like a, a young lion. Now he's tearing it up. What do you think about Nakajima then as well? You know, it, I think a lot of people, when they first saw Nakajima, he, you know, obviously he saw this young line. He was, I don't know, I forget how old he was. He's still young at this point, but um, you could see that he just had it. And you could see him and say, all right, he's going to, he's the future of pro wrestling. You know what I mean? You saw that before it happened, just because you knew he had it in him. Um, and I've always really, I, again, another, a guy that I really enjoyed wrestling um, over there. And I, the same thing was kind of similar with Go Shiozaki, where, you saw him and you said, okay, he's going to be a heavyweight champion. He's going to help carry this company in the future. 
which when you see guys like that, you know it's going to happen. That's something that's very unique because you don't always know how things are going to go. You saw me when I first started wrestling. <laughs> you, you wouldn't have thought I would be where I am today or you wouldn't think I'd do anything. You know what I mean? Like you can never tell with some guys, but then some guys just have that it factor and Nakajima and Shiozaki both did, both do to this day. And you had some awesome, great point uh, for sure uh, on those guys. But you also had possibly one of my favorite partners that you had. I mean, obviously, you know, Davey was great. Uh, your dojo brother partner over in PWG was uh, Roderick Strong. But Ricky Marvin, kind of an underrated, under-the-radar guy. Did you like working with him? Because I feel like he's not um, brought up really as much, but he was an awesome talent as well, especially in that era. Yeah, uh, no, I really I, – I love tagging him. He's so – he was unbelievably athletic, and you know he had some great, he had great ideas. You know his mind was great for it. Um, and I'll never forget what Ricky did for me as far as when I was over there because he had he was moved over there. He had lived there, been living there when I first went over, and he had helped teach me the ropes as far as like you know the respect factor, the little things that I wouldn't know if I if nobody had told me. And it couldn't sometimes it comes across wrong to the wrong people, you know. So he was able to kind of show me the ropes like here do this after a match do this you know do this and this and uh i forever grateful for that and you know we got it was nice because he was kind of took me under his wing and i got to obviously tag with him but then we also you know i got to go out with him after the shows and you know he spoke japanese so i i was very lucky in that aspect i wasn't completely alone uh being over there and he really helped teach me a lot and I have I always enjoyed the matches, but yeah, like you said, he's he's an underrated guy that he was definitely ahead of his time because if he was there now doing the stuff that he was doing then, a lot of people would be talking about him, no doubt about it. And that is great that he was helping you along. He's also great, you know, he speaks Japanese and things like that. But at that yeah. point in time, pro wrestling Noah and ROH. Um, kind of, you know, around that point, they were kind of exchanging some talent, doing some things together. When you made your ROH debut, you know, you wrestled Austin Aries, but how did you get into ROH? Were you, you know, were you being scouted? Was that kind of like a tryout for you? Uh, I, I wasn't being scouted. I had, I know I had reached out a couple times. And uh, when I was over in Pro Wrestling Noah, you know, Nigel McGinnis and Brian Danielson were there. So they kind of helped um, I think nudge Gabe a little bit just to give me a shot uh, on the card. And, you know, it was, it was pretty rather local for me. So I was able to, you know, he, he emailed me back said, here, do you want to be on the show, do this and that. And it was in sense like a trial because even after that point, I wasn't on, you know, full time as had that match, had a few other random matches and a couple random matches. And then finally I was able to kind of latch on and become a pretty much a full timer. Definitely, and it's great uh, to have your first match against basically, you know, our ROH legend and Austin Aries, a multiple-time champion. But you formed the Wolves, you and Davey, when you put together. Was that put together by you guys? Was that Gabe kind of putting you guys together? How did the Wolves, the American Wolves at that point, how did they form? Uh, actually, we the first match we ever tagged was at a big independent super show over in England. I was, I was over there for... I don't know, a few months, um, I was working for Brian Dixon, doing all-star wrestling in the Butlins camps, the famous Brian Dixon. Um, and they, they, there was a big super indie show, and a lot they brought a lot of ROH guys over. It was called Independence Day. Um, 
and they, me and Dave, like Dave, yet, like I said, Dave had been pushing for us to tag for a while with Gabe, but it just didn't. He just kind of didn't want to. I don't know. He didn't want to try it at that point. He wanted David to be singles and kind of keep pushing him forward, which is understandable. Um, but at the Independence Day show, we were able to tag and we tagged against the Briscoes, and I think from that point on, you know, I know we were very comfortable with it. Um, and from that point, it was when Adam Pierce was in ROH. He's the one that said, okay, here, you guys are to get, you guys can, here's the tag you guys want on this. Here you go. Now let's run. with it. We were you know, a part of sweet and sour ink, you know, at that point, that was my first big break for ROH when I joined sweet and sour ink in Boston with Larry Sweeney. Um, and that's when I kind of jumped on, but then Pierce put me and David together as a tag. Um, but the first, the tag match I made against the Briscoes was in Wolverhampton, England. And that is how we got, the name American Wolves. A fan actually came up with it. I think it was on a forum or a message board somewhere. I don't know where we saw it, but that's how we, you know, somebody thought of it, and it stuck. Oh, boy, did it stick. It actually fits perfectly with you guys. It is weird that sometimes that happens. Um, like uh, James Storm was saying how beer money came along. He just mentioned in joking conversation, you know, I need beer money, and they, they thought of it, or Somebody mentioned, you know, an old lady mentioned them, oh, America, you're uh, America's most wanted because they were doing something bad. So it's, it is interesting how some of those things happen, right? It's not like you're, you're thinking about it. It's almost organically just created. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's usually the best things that happen when it's organic. Because, you know, you sit down and you try to think of a name or whatever for so long. Eventually, you're going to convince yourself that some, you know, awful name or some whatever name is, oh, yeah, yeah let's go with that. But when it's organic, you're like, oh, man, that clicks. And if it clicks with you, you know it's going to click with, you know, the fans and other people going forward. And that's those are always the best scenarios. And obviously ROH did have a lot of faith in you guys. You're, you know, multi-time tag champions. But also you were the first ever, when you broke off from singles again, first ever ROH TV champ. Did you feel like they were kind of handing you the ball at that point, thinking like, wow, not only am I a full-time wrestler now, not only – you know, with have success with the Wolves and things like that, but now they're putting the first ever TV championship around my waist. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, it was definitely uh, they, they were giving me a chance. You know, because we were tagging, but you know, at that point, Davey was still much higher. You know, he was still higher than me as far as uh, fans' perceptions, and you know, even you know, even my perception, obviously, because he was there before me and he had. You know, he was also a former tag champ. You know, with Rocky Romero and stuff like that. Um, so it was kind of like, I think they were giving me the ball to see what I could do with it and to try to elevate me so we could be seen as more equals. And that in turn would help the tag team. So, and I think, you know, mission accomplished. And I was very, very, uh, I've said grateful however many times this interview, but I'll say it again. I was very grateful, very grateful to be given that ball and that opportunity because, you know, holding that championship, uh, you know, and Taylor gave me more more matches, more important matches, bigger matches. It gave me some promo time and stuff. So it just helped me grow, helped me take that next step as a wrestler. And that's, you know, it's kind of how I wanted my career. I've kind of done my career. Is yeah, I just kind of had these goals, you know, kind of step by step by step. And it was kind of like, I want to be a part of Ring of Honor. Okay, I'm here. Then I want to, you know, be able to do this. I want to win the tag titles. I want to be able to win a singles title. I want to win the world title. So, um, having accomplishing that goal was a, definitely a step in the right direction, and um, 
it was good to be able to show them what I would be able to do for them as far as a singles wrestler. And then possibly no bigger moment when you beat Roderick Strong at Manhattan Mayhem for the ROH world title. What was that feeling like that night? Because obviously huge honor if you look at the past ROH champions and kind of where they would go afterwards. So it's always like a great honor to be an ROH champion and kind of go down in that record book. So what were your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, first, I'd like to say that I think my best win-loss record is against my buddy Roderick Strong. So we can we can pass that on, <laughs> blast that out on, blast that out on social media. Um, but it was uh, that's another thing that I didn't know which was, what was going on until I got until I got there, kind of thing, or or maybe a couple of days before. But it was something that I did not, you know, I wasn't expecting to happen or anything. Um, but in the Manhattan Center, I will never forget. When I we did the roll up and you know Todd Sinclair counts three, it was like the split second of what, and then just like loud noises, like loud, just like chaos around me, and it was like you, I could kind of feel, like feel the vibrations from the crowd while I was in that ring. It was talk about like a special moment, you know, you create these moments, uh, and that was one of them because. Man, I'll never forget that feeling. Like just goosebumps. You know, goosebumps now. Even talking about it, thinking about it, and to be able to do it with Roger Strong, who's one of my best friends. Um, again, just another another layer of it to make it that much more important. And to do it in New York City in the Manhattan Ballroom, it was you know it was something that it, it for it was bigger than I could even imagine as far as my like what I could have hoped. Before, it was much better. It was much better than I could have imagined. It was another surprising win, another awesome win for you. And did you almost feel like, wow, not only am I over with the New York City crowd, but the notoriously tough crowd to get over with was ROH. And when you win the world title, sometimes it's almost like a little bit of nervousness, like, oh, how is the crowd going to react? Were you, like, you know, almost very proud of yourself? Like, wow, not only did I get over with NYC, I'm over with the ROH faithful. Yeah, you know, I think that was a great job from uh, from the company aspect as far as the booking and stuff. Uh, because uh, I think times when that happened before, when as you said, like sometimes the fans would turn on, you know, champions and stuff like that. It was sometimes a case of too many opportunities or too many chances where people could kind of see it coming almost. And if there was ever a case of people not being able to see a championship switch hands because they, they didn't see it coming. It was definitely uh, in my case. And I think it was a, it was something that was unique. Uh, so the fa- it kind of kept the fans on their toes. Like once the fans thought they knew what was going to happen or thought they knew the outcome, things changed. And as far as, and I think that it kind of worked for my title reign as well, because I wasn't this big dominating, you know, fat force in ring of honor. I wasn't, you know, I was never like that. I was still pretty much an underdog champion, which I am very happy to do and very proud to do. That's what I like to do. So my matches going forward, people could think that the title was going to change hands at any point because, you know what I mean? I wasn't that guy that was just destroying people. It was just kind of like, all right, let's see, let's see how this match goes and what the outcome is. So I was very happy with, with how the crowd received me and stuff like that. Um, it was it was definitely a mission accomplished in that aspect. And you're totally right about the crowd turning on certain champions because 
in another epic, epic match in ROH history. Davy Richards beats you at best in the world. You lose the world title. But the crowd kind of turns, not really in that match per se, but the crowd really kind of turned on Davy. So it's almost like even better of a title run for you looking back, the fact that you know, the crowd was with you and they really, really enjoyed your run. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, I think the surprise factor really, really helped them. And uh, just, to, you know, like I said, the fact that they didn't really know what to expect uh, going forward. And, and New York City kind of took me in. Well, I, they took me in when um, I had my broken elbow and I, we had the ladder match. So fans fans there kind of accepted me like, oh, okay, this, this guy, he's from Boston, but he's not too bad. And then, uh, you know, obviously with the title change, the title win and that stuff, they, they really took me in. So I was, I was happy to, to be in New York City anytime we could. Great stuff. And eventually the Wolves do actually get back together. And whether, you know, you're wrestling Red Dragon or the Forever Hooligans, I mean, you guys were still able to kind of tear it up again. Was it good to have the Wolves return and and get those good little feuds and almost give the rub to O'Reilly and Fish? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, anytime, anytime we could be back together as a tag team, I think is a good thing. And I think, you know, the fact that in Ring of Honor it wasn't, uh, one of us turning on the other one. It just kind of like, as far as, well, first of all, we had our singles and title matches. So it was like, who the, who's the better wrestler? Who's the better man? And then we both kind of went off and did our own thing, which I, like I said, I think that's the unique thing as far as our team. We could go apart, do our things. And then when the time is needed, you know, bring us back together and we'll have these tag matches. And, uh, you know, I was very happy to do that. Um, it was it was obviously a good time to get back and tag and like you said, wrestle Red Dragon and stuff like that and the Forever Hooligans. So to get those matches that we weren't able to do the first time around, to be able to do them when we got back together, I think that was the uh, the best way to do it. Then obviously you guys depart from ROH and kind of you know a little bit later end up in TNA, but was was that kind of like another goal for you? Like you said, almost like a stepping stone thing. Like okay, you know I did everything I could in. Um, Ring of Honor, or, you know, the Triple Crown champion, uh, first ever TV champ. Is that one of those things where the stepping stones? Like, okay, what's the next goal? Get on TV, on TNA, and then go from there. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, you nailed it. Just like like I said, as far as laying those goals out, it was the ne- you know it was the next step. Was, we we're uh, for both of us. We we had been in Ring of Honor and we had done our stuff, and you know, not that it was stale. Not that we were we were growing stale, but. It was kind of like, well, let's see, let's see what else we can do, you know, as far as in the world of professional wrestling and Ring of Honor, you know, was very nice about, you know, very nice about it, and you know, we left amicably, and it was kind of like, all right, let's see, go do your thing, see, see what happens, and we went out and got to Impact Wrestling, and then once we got an Impact, it was the same thing, set those goals, well, tag title, you know, debut, well, tag titles, X Division, you know, world titles, another stepping stone in. And all into getting all those goals done and accomplished. And you've had quite a career and quite a run. But another interesting part of the career that I, I just wanted to mention kind of briefly, but the time that you guys spent in NXT was almost like you guys went down there, stood out. You know, obviously you were the, the quote-unquote the American Pitbulls. They changed you guys up a little bit. But you go down there, you stand out, you're at the Performance Center. I guess, you know, you kind of kill it at the tryout. Is that one of those things where you, you wanted to sign with them or was one of those things where you guys got a better offer from TNA? Uh, you know, it was, I don't know, it was more so what's right at the time. What, 
you know, kind of right place, right time, what is going to work best. And at that time, it wasn't to be an, you know, it wasn't to be an NXT. It was to be able to go to TNA and, and do our stuff, which, you know, I couldn't be happy with, with how things went down. But, you know, if things had, if, if something else had, you know, switched and things had gone the other way, you know, who knows what would happen. But uh, we're very happy with that, you know, the decision and the timing. It was just the timing of it all. You know, a lot goes into uh, going to a new company as far as some places you got to travel and, and move and stuff like that. So, um, right place, right time for Impact, definitely. Yeah, I feel like it was. it's almost weird seeing guys like you and Davey not that it's bad because, you know, a lot of guys go through NXT or whatever and, and they're, they're veterans or they're accomplishments. Look at a guy like Bobby Roode, who, you know, you have a quite a history with as far as uh, tag, you know, versus the dirty heels and tagging against him and stuff like that. But I almost feel like you guys are so good, or especially if you're going to put come together as a team, you guys should have kind of just jumped the ladder and went right to TV, right? Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's not up to us. And, uh, you know, there's obviously, like you said, there's been guys who have who have done NXT that obviously could to take that jump. So I think that's just like a situational thing, uh, you know, for, for who needs to report, who goes up. But, uh, you know, it's not not for us to decide. And and I think things are still kind of, you know, that was before the the boom of NXT as mm-hmm. far as bring yep. a lot of guys. So it was, I think it was kind of like a almost like an experimental thing to go down there and do some training and then do the TV show. That was what we were on. It's kind of come down for a week, do this, fly back home. And, you know, it was kind of the first of its kind at that time. And it was just, you know, more or less see what happens. Yeah, definitely. You guys lose to the Ascension, but that was right. It was before kind of NXT kind of blew up and became as big as it became. Did you have any interactions with Triple H at all? Or was it one of those things where it's just like, you know, you you go there, you, you know, you do what you're supposed to do minimal interaction with a guy like Triple H. Yeah, we had, we saw him and we had talked to him and he was, you know, very nice and, you know, approachable. And um, I remember we are you know, doing stuff in the ring or something and they, you know, wanted to go over, you know, entrance or music. And, you know, he came up and asked if our entrance music was okay. So, you know, they're very accepting to us, which was cool. You know, you don't know how it's going to be going into a different situation. And basically we were, you know, we were outsiders at that point, but, Everybody in the company, as far from the wrestlers to the trainers to Triple H to anybody, they all treated us great. You know what I mean? That was that was definitely one of the good takeaways from that. Was that, you know they treated us real nice and it made us feel like we belonged. It made us feel like we weren't these outsiders trying to come in. You know. Definitely, and that is good, especially given the fact that you guys have quite a you know before that even had a, quite a resume and quite a run you know, whether it be Ring of Honor or wherever you guys were in the, in the independent scene or even pro wrestling Noah. But as far as being the American Pitbulls or being the American Wolves, did you guys have any influence, you know, as far as like, was the British Bulldogs almost an influence for you guys? Because almost you guys have that, that similar pattern or that similar style to them, or were you guys kind of just doing your own thing? Uh, no, I mean, it's definitely an influence. And that's a team that we have definitely – you know, been compared to, and it's some a team that we kind of model our, did model ourselves after with, you know, a change in times. You know what I mean? Like trying to update if we were able to update them. You know what I mean? So I, that's definitely something we take pride in. Whenever anybody compares us to them, that is a an unbelievable compliment. 
Now, as I start to wind it down a bit here, I mean, we've talked about some great runs, not only in Impact Wrestling, but some great matches you had in ROH, like we talked about Manhattan Mayhem against Roderick Strong, winning the world title, or winning the world title from Lashley in Impact. But would you, what would you consider, besides kind of like those two, what would you consider some of your favorite matches, or if you even have one particular favorite match? Oh, man, uh, this question's so tough. Um, you know, like we talked about, uh, definitely being able to wrestle the Hardys in Team 3D uh, in New York City, that's that's definitely a highlight. Um, you know, be able to wrestle guys in Ring of Honor, uh, you know, like Cole Cabana and Brian Danielson, stuff like that, those were always good. To be able to wrestle, you know, Roderick Strong was my good buddy. Um, and, you know, an impact match I, I really enjoyed was the Iron Man match with Lashley that we kind of touched upon. That was Oh, yes. Yep. You know, one. that was a match that I, I came to the back and I and I just said I was like, yeah, we could we could have done an hour. No, like we could have done an hour and a half. Like that was like we talked about chemistry. That was just how I felt about that, and I would have been happy to do that. But there's it's tough to to name matches because I really enjoyed so many different matches and so many different moments. Um, I'm very thankful for what I've what I've been able to be a part of. Now, as far as like favorite opponents, do you have? Obviously, Davey and Lashley are two that really stick out, but do you have, like, an underrated guy that you just really mesh well with and, and it's just, like, a favorite opponent of yours maybe that, that we wouldn't even think of? Uh, just because this was somewhat recently, um, I, I enjoyed wrestling Eli Drake uh, a couple times, and I think he's he's a really good really good performer, a great professional wrestler, obviously a great speaker, but I feel that we do – we have that. We do mesh as well. Uh, have that little kind of clash of styles, but it kind of, for some reason, it works. Um, also, a guy like DJ Z, uh, who I think some people kind of sleep on. Unfortunately, he was hurt for a while, but I think he's another unbelievably talented guy that I would enjoy wrestling any day of the week. But those two are just off the top of my head in impact because kind of happened recently. So. Now, as far as like a dream match, a, a guy that you haven't wrestled, active guy, but uh, like maybe he could be in WWE or NXT or he could be anywhere. But is there an active guy out there, a dream match scenario that you would love to wrestle? Uh, you know, I'll just say uh, Alberto El Patron. I would like to go up against because he just, you know, he just came to Impact and um, a guy that I've been a fan of. He's obviously a great town. Has a great history, great family history in wrestling, and I would like to to do that because I think once again we talk about the styles and I think we could I think we could do some good stuff together and hopefully we get the chance to do that oh there's many a dream matches that are still going to be out there for you and like we were talking about earlier with the Wolves and the Hardys there's just a matter of time before something gets done but let's bring it back to the pay-per-view it's July 2nd it's Slammiversary it's Slammiversary 15 it's 15 years of of TNA or Impact Wrestling and we couldn't be any happier to bring it back to the fact this full metal mayhem, this intergender classic that's coming our way. What are your final thoughts about the match, and what do you think the fans can expect? Chaos. Just expect chaos. Expect some big moments. Expect things that uh, you're never going to forget and things that I will never stop feeling. I'm sure it's going to leave me broken and battered, but it's all going to be worth it. Slammiversary, uh, you know, an amazing event. Uh, I couldn't be looking forward to a match more than I am for this one. I hope the fans, are, you know, feel the same way because let's just let's just all go out there together and just make some magic. 
And I think that uh, the average Joe and his wife, uh, that the honey-do list, if we came out on the losing end of it, might be a little hefty. Now, is that a part of your preparation as well, the, uh, the possible repercussions the next day uh, on the home front? Yeah, you know, there's always repercussions that I have to be weary of. So uh, it'll definitely help if, if we get the win. And, you know, if I'm a little beat up, that always gives me some good excuses, too. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Eddie, this has been so much fun. And we usually like to end it by saying, you know, where do you see yourself in five years or what do you feel you've left in the business? But where do you think you will be in five years? Do you think you will be on top of Impact Wrestling? Do you think you will be – uh, really the standard for what impact is going to be all about. And what do you think is down the line for you in terms of your career? You know, that's, that's definitely a goal. That's like we thought, talked about earlier. That is, should be everybody's goal to be on the top of companies. I want to be on the top of impact wrestling. I want to continue to help impact wrestling grow. I want to be associated with impact wrestling. I want people when they think about impact to think about Eddie Edwards and that's, that's something I strive to do. That's what I wanted to do when I was a champion, and I continue to strive to do that each and every day. Uh, I want to go out there and represent the company to its fullest. Um, I want to travel the world to represent Impact. You know what I mean? We have a lot of good relationships right now as far as NOAA and, and AAA and stuff like that, and I want to represent the company all over the world and help bring Impact to new markets and, and show people what what Impact Wrestling is all about. Cannot say it any better. And, Eddie, please send the listeners and the fans of the Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling where they can find everything going on in the world of Eddie Edwards. Yes, please just uh, check me out on Twitter at the Eddie Edwards. That's all I have. Face, no Facebook, no Instagram. There have been a couple fakes, so just be weary. Uh, com slash Eddie Edwards to find some T-shirts. And um, also today is June 21st, longest day which is a big day for Alzheimer's Association research. Um, so please check them out. I have some a T-shirt available on Pro Wrestling Tees where all the proceeds will go to the Alzheimer's Association Fund uh, trying to find a cure. So let's hashtag end Alzheimer's together and uh, please check it out. That's, uh, that's an awesome cause, and we will definitely help push that for you guys. And thank you so much, Eddie. This is going to be an absolute awesome event, Slammiversary, July 2nd on pay-per-view. Feels good to say live on pay-per-view, but thank you so much for joining us tonight, Eddie. Thank, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Going to the top rope. You know, I mentioned this before during the beginning of this match. Caleb needs that one big win, and he can get it. But it's not looking too good after that. That's good slack. Caleb Connolly took his attention off of Eli Drake. You gotta watch your opponent at all times. And Caleb Connolly was too busy watching what was happening on the outside. Oh! oh. Down Caleb Connolly goes in a cover. Two. Got him. And a three. Eli Drake. Your winner of the match. Eli Drake. Eli Drake. It's just a fact of life. All right, joining us on the line tonight 
is a former TNA King of the Mountain champion, a former DDC Ironman heavy middleweight champion. He is right. a man with such a great voice and such a great promo guy that he created the greatest nickname for himself of all time, the Namer of Dummies. He is Eli Drake. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Yes, sir. The golden voice and the silver tongue, everybody. <laughs> I just got a first talk to say uh, Slammiversary, obviously. Huge pay-per-view for Impact Wrestling. Sunday night, July 2nd, live and only on pay-per-view. What are your thoughts on this big, huge, momentous 15th year anniversary of TNA, a.k.a. Impact Wrestling, on Sunday, July 2nd? It's really cool, man, because, you you know, you've got people all the time, every day, every week, talking about the demise of Impact Wrestling. It's going to go away. It's going to die. And I got to tell you, uh, we're actually growing at uh, quite a pace at this point. Uh, things are, uh, our social media numbers are up. Uh, uh, let's see, digital numbers are up. Everything is actually ma- moving at an amazing pace. Uh, we're on a rebound right now, and it's an awesome feeling to see 15 years, 15 years, it's still going. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's an incredible feat. And uh, for any of the naysayers out there, I love it. Keep it coming because we just keep getting stronger. And there are, you know, there are critics out there saying, like you said, TNA is down. But like we talked to Bruce Pritchard, he was calling it the rebirth of TNA. And this is kind of the next 15 years. Would you say this is basically Slammiversary is like the new starting point for Impact Wrestling? I mean, you know, I I don't know if you could break it down to a particular day or not, but I would definitely say that I I think we are in a rebirth period of some sort Um, because if you you just look at the way, uh, again, I mean, mean, things are growing in a way that I I don't think a lot of people on the outside can know, uh, but just seeing numbers and things like that uh, from our end, uh, it's a very, very impressive thing to see, and, and I think a lot of that, a lot of that honestly falls on the talent and has fallen on the talent for over the last year or more, even when maybe management wasn't up to par, quote-unquote. Um, but I, I think with having a lot of those changes in the upper management, things like that, I think that's made it a lot easier uh, for us to kind of get out from under that, that black cloud. Now, as far as Slammiversary is concerned, what should the fans expect when they tune in to the pay-per-view? What should you expect? I mean, man, you've got so much going on right now. There's so many stories. There's a little something for everybody. But uh, the one thing you got to make sure you look at is Eli Drake, a little C.A., Chris Adonis, running in. And we got, uh, who is this, Two, a couple goofs and a guy from the uh, NFL, D'Angelo <laughs> Williams. But, um, you know, I think that's going to be a good time. That's going to be real cool. That's probably going to be a little bit of a marquee matchup as far as, you know, uh, cross-promotion and uh, – outside media and stuff like that. So looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you're talking about unifying titles at this point with uh, Patron and uh, Lashley. Um, so you're going to have one impact champion instead of, you know, having the uh, global force champion and the impact wrestling champion and all that stuff. So you're going to put it all together at this point. So it's going to be a culmination of a lot of things, whether it's, you know, titles coming together or, you know, a, a rebirth of the company, some people are saying. Now, obviously, like you, you alluded there, Moose and D'Angelo Williams, obviously an NFL player. Moose, a former NFL player, UNCA, Chris Adonis, will be going up against them in a tag match. What, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Because obviously, like you said, there's going to be a lot of outside media covering you because of this match. 
well, look, uh, that, that's that's long overdue for this guy, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. You, you know, I I, I look at uh, Angela Williams. You got you got a guy who's a hell of an athlete, but uh, you know, as you put in the time, is he going to be ready when it comes uh, time to get in that ring and, and perform? Uh, I guess we'll find out next Sunday. But uh, all the respect to the world, all the respect in the world to him as far as what he's done in the football world. But uh, now you're talking about wrestling; it's a whole different beast. Guys who've tried to come over from football have come, they've failed, they've tried, they've fallen hard, uh, and they said, you know what, that's enough for me. So I've got a good feeling that's probably going to happen with D'Angelo Williams. We'll see, though. Maybe, maybe he can tough it out. Uh, Moose has toughed it out so far, but even he's got a long way to go. It that's is right great, though. That... <laughs> it is great, though, when you get outside media covering, because that means more eyeballs more the mainstream uh, ESPN, you know, will probably cover it. You know, do you look at all that as only, but only good positive things to come out of something like that? Of course. I mean, I mean, look, you, you, there's a possibility that some people might be able to, you know, twist certain things in a negative light, but that's always going to happen. You can't please all the people all the time. So, um, all I can see is good coming from that. Uh, more eyes on the product is always a good thing, uh, especially when it's coming from, you know, a sports world, things like that. It's it's a, it's a legitimate uh, world that fits in our world, you know, as opposed to, you know, we're not bringing in, you know, some reality star and uh, having them compete with our athletes or whatever. You know, that doesn't make sense to me. But you bring a guy off the football field and bring him in, and okay, well, now, now, now we're playing with something. So I dig that. And so, you know, now having that crossover promotion and uh, getting a little bit more uh, more of a look from the mainstream media as far as, uh, you know, ESPN and things like that. That's a beautiful thing. Now, as far as TNA, a.k.a. Impact Wrestling, it's going to give me uh, some time to get used to it. It's Impact Wrestling. Yeah, I can see that. You keep saying it over and over. Come on. I know. Damn, I I keep slipping up. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Impact Wrestling uh, keeps, uh, keeps growing, like you said. The eyes are on you. All the way over in India, you guys made a trip. What did you think about that big, huge trip over to India? Anyway, I think, what, are we the first, uh, I'm pretty sure we're the first major company to go over there and do uh, live TV, live productions over there. So uh, that's enormous. Um, that that illustrates our broad reach that we have. Um, so, you know, again, that, that goes out to the naysayers, you know, who, who are always you know, trying to call the demise. We, we've got an amazing global reach. Now, we might have soured some of the some of the U.S. viewers, and I get that because you know what? Sometimes uh, you're not going to win everybody, and if uh, some of the uh, you know some of the past office actions, things like that, might have uh, you know soured some people. Uh, but our international audience has, has stayed with us, and uh, our our domestic audience is actually growing. So. It's an amazing thing, and to get all the way over there and get the reactions that we got, and those crowds were hot. Those crowds were on it. And um, it was just an amazing experience. You know, you get to see a, a different culture. You get to see a different part of the world. Uh, and, and I would love to do it again. I look forward to it. What hot crowds. It's amazing the reaction that everyone got from that opening match all the way to the last show. It was just like, you know, they, that crowd just absolutely loved you guys. Was that a little bit of culture shock at all for you when you kind of went over there first and you kind of had to get used to the 23-hour flight? Oh, my God. Well, you see, now I came from L.A., so it was even longer than everybody else because we all met up in uh, Newark, 
And so, uh, you know, a lot of the guys came from Nashville or Florida or wherever, but going from L.A., you got to tack on an extra six hours to the whole thing. It was it was a bitch. Uh, <laughs> let's just go ahead and call it what it was. It was terrible. Uh, on the way back, I was at least smart enough to deprive myself of sleep. Uh, we stayed out a little late on the last night just having some fun. And uh, so that way, the next day when we actually left, I needed to sleep. So I slept almost the whole way back, so I didn't even notice. It was great. Uh, but on the way there, horrible. But nonetheless, that's uh, that's a small piece of the puzzle. So, otherwise, absolutely, would do it again. And that just don't talk to EC three about it. He 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 lost his bags and everything. He was miserable the whole damn time. <laughs> I did see that, and then all of a sudden, I think his bags popped up after he already got home. So it was a pretty bad uh, trip for him. <laughs> As long as it wasn't you, it's fine. That's right. Now, that global reach for sure in India is great, and obviously, you know, it continues. What do you think about Jeff Jarrett and, and you know, Dutch coming back and obviously Bruce Pritchard in the fold? What do you think about the new management and how they're handling, you know, this this new version of Impact Wrestling? I'll tell you what, I, I'm going to withhold comment on that because uh, the jury's still out on that one as far as I'm concerned. Uh uh, we, we, we've been all right. Uh, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see what the deal is. Cause, uh, Bruce and I, we, we kind of got off the wrong, wrong foot here and I'm not sure that we've really gotten back on the right foot yet. So, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what's to come. Now, as far as How about you, that? I'll, leave, kind of I'll leave you with a non-answer. How about that? I, hey, hey, I'll take it. I, I love it. I was, that's why I was kind of going to move on. I'm like, okay, not going to get an answer there. I'll just keep on moving. <laughs> um, as far as you, and I, I alluded to it before, you know, like you said, the, the golden voice, the silver tongue, great homo guy, great nicknames. Where does the namer of dummies come from? That's, that's hilarious. Oh, I, I don't know. I probably just, I was probably just hanging out with friends and saying dumb stuff. That's where I have my promos come from anyway. It's just uh, any, like, the catchphrases or anything. It's usually just me out with some friends saying stupid stuff. Uh, so who knows? I, you know what it was? Actually, at one point I was doing this thing. Um, back on the independence, I used to, uh, from time to time, I'd reference the uh, Church of Rickerism. Uh-oh, breaking the fourth wall here. Uh, but in that uh, in that church, I think I'd say something like, uh, what did I? What did I say? Um, I don't remember, but I, I gave myself a bunch of different monikers. It was like the passer of gravy, the namer of dummies, the sayer of rickerisms, and an all-around perpetual motion machine of badassery and all this stuff. So it was just like a, a whole list of, of things that came out of it. And so I just kind of, at this point, the only one that's really come to the surface and made any sense at this point is namer of dummies. So, you know pretty great uh, nickname and you're pretty quick-witted and you got a you know a sharp tongue and a sharp mind it has promos and talking always been easy to you has that always came easy for you uh easy i don't know uh, that was always my focus though because um, like i i guess i guess when i started like i didn't really know necessarily what to say or anything like that but it was just kind of like let me talk in a certain tone and as long as I have that tone, like, I should be okay. It's more about a lot of times how you're saying what you're saying as opposed to what you're actually saying. 
But uh, hold on one second. I, you know where you caught me right now? You caught me in the grocery store. How crazy is it? <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Let me buy my water. Got my big old jug of water. You know how that goes. Okay, right now, I'm going to hit zero. No bags. No thank you. Appreciate it. All right, everybody, hang in with me. <laughs> there we go. This is the exciting life of Eli Drake here. Yeah, really. All right, we're approved and we're out the door. Next stop is the gym, but uh, I'm going to... I'm going to hold on to you guys. So anyway, like I was saying, uh, as far as, like, levels of concern and whatnot, it, it wasn't anything that, like, came super easy or anything like that. It was just that was always my focus. Was let's, uh, let's get really good at that and almost let the wrestling be secondary. I know that might sound terrible to some people, uh, but if you look at some of the guys, actually, if you look at all of the most successful guys ever, they didn't say the wrestling wasn't really necessarily what stood out. It was the character, it was the performance, it was their, uh, it was the, uh, and all the guys that I liked when I was growing up were usually those guys The Rock, Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, uh, all guys who could work, but guys who didn't necessarily, I guess, need to. It was almost secondary. Like, the work was there. They could have solid matches, very entertaining matches. Bottom line, most people were coming there. And the reason they made millions and millions of dollars and were leading the industry for the years that they did was because of the big characters that they had. So to me, it was develop a character, uh, be able to talk, and let the, rest, let the rest fall in line. Sounds like some pretty sound advice, and that's actually a pretty great idea. Obviously, like the guys you named, great influences for you. All great talkers. Yes, they could work, but all great talkers as well. So, Hell, I just watched uh, like, Hulk Hogan and Muto the other day. Hulk Hogan just did a goddamn uh, Enzigur. Never saw that before. <laughs> it's crazy. Like the, anyway. the the Eli Drake, you know, the character, and, you know, the the quote unquote the gimmick. Obviously, very you know quick witted, very good on promos. Did that character you know play very close to the to the vest? Are you you know yourself Eli Drake kind of turned up? Yeah, you know what, uh, you know what, it, the best way that I could describe the parts of me that Eli Drake is, is it's kind of like, if you take the argumentative side of me, plus the party side of me, you've got Eli Drake. <laughs> that is great. And with Eli Drake, was that not the name that you came up with? Was that uh, Impact Wrestling giving it to you, or, or was that some kind of collaboration between you both? You know what? You know where that came from. That that was, uh, if you remember, I, I came in and that what it's going on out here. You should see how these people are driving and parking right now. It's just crazy. Anyway, uh, um, no, uh, if, if you remember, I came in in that group in the Rising, uh, and yes. I guess yep. the uh, Hebrew meaning behind the word uh, Eli, uh, I guess, has some parallel meaning to rising or ascension or something like that. So it just kind of fit in that that fold as far as for the rising and whatnot. And then the Drake was just kind of a strong masculine name on the back end. Which some people say it's in, it, some people say it's another word for male duck, but I looked it up and it's also a word for dragon. So that's what I'm going with. And that's why there's a dragon head on the back of my trunk. <laughs> hey, I like it. I think that's a great uh, great name, and obviously the rising was Micah, who's um, 
obviously now Tangaloa and New Japan Pro Wrestling, but also Drew Galloway, who you ended up feuding with it as well, and you guys had some damn good matches and they had some good chemistry. Did you like feuding with Drew Galloway? Uh, yes and no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was easy. There was chemistry. There was always intensity. Uh, that, that son of a bitch just hits way too hard. Um, <laughs> which, you know, nothing, nothing I really complain about outright, but it's kind of just an ongoing thing with everybody. It's just he's got the, the heaviest damn hands ever. Um, which, you know, what can you do? Just kind of put the hands up and uh, hope for the best. And then very, fire very back true. on him because, uh, because there were a lot of times where I'd get hot and I'd just have to fire back on his ass. Very true. you got to give him his, quote-unquote, his receipt when he sticks you like exactly. that. Now, with Impact uh, but, Wrestling... But, 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 but we, always had, we, we always had a lot of fun because there was a lot of good chemistry naturally backstage, everything. So, always worked out. And with Impact Wrestling, I feel like, like you said, like your character and, and your voice and your promos have really gotten over. And when you do that Fact of Life segment, I feel like not only, you know, are you you know, getting, quote-unquote, a lot of heat, but a lot of attention as well. People generally think, you know, like this, not only is because, you know, he's got a great character, but there's something else. He has, like, this charisma that draws people in. When you did that Fact of Life segment, is that, you know, is that something from you that you came up with? Is that, like, your brainchild, or is that something from management? Well, the the original Fact of Life idea was not my idea. I, I hated the idea of doing a talk show. Um, I, I thought it was kind of campy. I thought it was, like, mid-card for life. Um, <laughs> but then uh, after just kind of taking the reins and, like, uh, see, I, I've got the freedom and, and I have the confidence of, of the guys in the backstage to, to at least where they'll let me kind of riff on my own. So it wasn't like go out there and say this and do this. It was kind of like, here's the idea of what we're doing. Uh, kind of make it work. And so that's what I did. So it was just kind of go out there. Let's see how we can make this work. Um, you know, hit the button just whenever I'm feeling like it talk about whatever I want to talk about, you know, just get to the point, whatever the point is. Um, as far as that was concerned, not my idea, but eventually I think it, in a strange way, became mine. Like, they gave it to me, but I made it my own. And then so many people remember, tell me, yeah, which is, you know, yeah. hilarious. Is that just kind of it's one of those things, like before it just came to you kind of out of nowhere, and it's just one of those things that stuck and got over? Yeah, pretty, I mean, pretty much. We, I just went in the studio and started cutting all kinds of different dummies, dummy, yeah, all this other stuff uh, for the button. And then, uh, you know, we, we found one that stuck. We were like, yeah, I think this is going to work. So worked out. And you said, now I haven't done one of those segments in a long, long time. So overdue. Way overdue. you, you got to get back out there and do it. I think the, the crowd, you know, loves it but loves to hate it. And you've had a yeah. quite a good run in Impact Wrestling. Obviously, like I said before, King of the Mountain champion. You had a world title match against Eddie Edwards, which is pretty damn good. Are you happy with the Impact run that you've had so far? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely had uh, frustrations, as anybody will with any part of their career. You're always going to have that. But uh, that aside, which is a very small part, very happy with, uh, with everything. I'm happy with a lot of things, a lot of things that, 
people would say otherwise. I'm very happy with uh, my, my pay. I'm very happy with uh, my position. I'm very happy with a lot of things. Uh, are there some things that I'd still like to have? Absolutely. Uh, but with time, uh, you know, things will build. So I'm not really, um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not one to, uh, what's it called? Look a gift horse in the mouth, if you will. Uh, so far, everything's working out pretty well. Now, you know, as I, as I start to wind it down a bit here, very curious though, have you had a favorite match or maybe a couple favorite matches that you've had? Well, you know, you just mentioned the one with Eddie. Um, I think that might be definitely one of the top, um, that was probably one of my one of my most favorite, one of the best. Um, maybe even the one I had with EC3 toward uh, toward the end of our feud was pretty good. Um, actually, the segment that he and I did, our first uh, Fact of Life segment, was really good. And actually, I, I tell you what, this is gonna, this is going to be out of here, but uh, this isn't going to be like a normal match you'd say. But the, the Bound for Gold uh, match at Bound for Glory this past year was actually kind of cool just because it was the first battle royal that I've won. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you get to beat the guy at the end of that, that, you know, gets to raise his hand to that. Strangely, strangely, now this is what I call the Kavorka. At the end of that match, uh, everybody's chanting the name Eli Drake. Now, that doesn't always happen. For whatever reason that night, they were feeling it. They were hot. They were loving you. That's right. Very true. Have you had so far, like, one opponent over another one, like best chemistry, or maybe even somebody we wouldn't even think of. But have you had a favorite opponent in the, you know, in Impact? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, again, I, I think, I think to this point, I might have to say Eddie, Eddie Edwards, uh, maybe with EC3 at a, at a close second. Um, who else? I'm trying to think. I, I, I had a decent match with Patron. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I'd have to say Eddie Edwards probably top right now. Now, is there anyone out there you haven't wrestled yet that you would consider almost like a dream match? Somebody you're really looking forward to wrestling, but it just quite hasn't happened yet? Well, if you're talking about dream matches, these are guys who aren't active anymore. Because uh, my dream matches would be Rock, Austin, Hogan, uh, Jake Roberts, although not necessarily in that order. Uh, but as Pretty far as the guys that exist now, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, as far as as far as the guys who exist now, um, <clears throat> you know, I've never even been in the ring with Lashley. I think we tagged one time. Um, so that would be an interesting one. <clears throat> um, Dean Ambrose, I'll tell you that because, uh, that's a guy who I came up with for, you know, we, we used to live together, uh, probably about almost 10 years ago. So, um, we haven't actually tied up in almost as long. So it'd be kind of cool with the journeys that we've been on since then to kind of come back and, and, and put it back together. Um, Let's see. Is there anybody else? I, I you know, I, I don't know. Probably the marquee value of a of a of a John Cena. Uh, that's always a plus. 
And as far as the guys in impact, I mean, like I said, it's got to be Lashley for sure. That's the only guy I can think of who I haven't, uh, who I haven't really tied up with. Uh, other than that, I feel like I've almost worked with just about everybody at this point. I believe, if I remember correctly, you and Dean Ambrose, when he was uh, Johnny Moxley, you guys had a match in WWE as, you know, just as an enhancement guy. And I believe you guys wrestled the big show. Yeah, 2006. May, May 5th, 2006, right? Exactly. Do you have any uh, fond memories of, uh, you know, kind of like breaking into the, uh, the WWE enhancement uh, guy role at that point? Oh, I got a lot of rough and terrible memories of uh, trying to get in there. I mean, just uh, it, it was a long road of, you know, different misfortunes and things like that. You know, I shot myself in the foot once, but, you know, you'd figure I shot myself in the foot a hundred times. But, it, you know, it was different things, different regimes, whatnot. Uh, but, you know, finally we got on the same page. Uh, and everything went great with exception of Bill DeMott, who on the, I think it was, I think within my, I think it was my very first evaluation, which was about a month in, he said that he expected to hate me from day one. I said, great, thank you, sir. What am I doing here? Um, but, you know, I tried to push through, tried to, you know, do what I could. Uh, we just continued to butt heads. And, you know, eventually it's kind of like being, you know, the guy who was speeding versus the police officer who's saying you sped. Uh, you know, who's going to lose there? So, of course, I got fired. Um but I'm still in good terms with everybody there. Um, still in good terms with the office people, with the talent, everything, whatever. But uh, at this point, uh, I don't plan on going anywhere because uh, Impact's taking care of me pretty nicely in the bank account. Uh, they're taking pretty care of me, pretty good care of me as far as uh, featuring me prominently. So uh, I see no reason or rhyme to go anywhere else, quite frankly. But uh, as far as just breaking into the, the NXT and the Performance Center and whatnot, it, it was a great time. It was an amazing time. And the trial that they put you through is no joke. That place is, uh, as far as those three-day tryouts, it's the most grueling thing you will ever do as any kind of an athlete or a wrestler. Um, so, you know, the, for the guys who make it through that, you, you know that those guys are troopers for sure. And what about the name Slate Randall? Is that a weird name or what? <laughs> I don't know. When I look back at it now, hey, quiet down. Uh, you know, when I look back at that now, it kind of sounds like uh, belonging to the Flintstones or something. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if they ask you for a, for a list of six things. I gave them a list of probably about 100. <laughs> and so they ended up just sending me a list back of six names to choose from. And we kind of talked through them. Uh, you know, we narrowed it down to three out of the six. And uh, I was given Randalls. I was just like, all right, we'll give it a shot. Plus, it's the same initials as my first name. So let's rock with it. Uh, but now looking back, every time I hear that, I claim. It is a pretty uh, terrible name, but it is crazy to <laughs> think of, of those other hundred names that they didn't pick ahead of that name. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was pretty much when they told me, they, they said, oh, just send us a list of six names. I was thinking, like, I'm never going to be able to think of six names. Well, once I actually sat down and put pen to paper, I ended up I ended up blowing that six of them out the water. So, uh, it, before, out of the whole thing, I got a shit name for it. Sorry, can I say that? I didn't know. I yep, said it anyway. 
For me, I got, I got one final question for you, and it's kind of like a, a crystal ball question, or as we like to call it, the DDP question, because uh, that's how he prefaced it. Where do you see Eli Drake in five years from now? Like you said, prominently featured in Impact, or can you see yourself headed back to WWE or NXT? Man, oh, you know, I, I've never been good at it. I can remember in high school, they'd always be like, where, where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Where do you see yourself? I have no idea uh, because if, if I had gone off that, goddamn, I'd have been wrong every time. So um, I really have no idea. Uh, at this point, I'm kind of just enjoying the ride, uh, making the most of my time, and uh, you know, making sure that there's always more time on the back end of that as far as just proving my viability, proving my marketability, uh, proving my talent. Um, you know, because a lot of this stuff is long overdue for me. I, I started training in this business 14 years ago, and, and, and you know, I, I was doing things for, for a long time before I ever got here. And, you know, it was just, like I said, you know, a lot of bad circumstances. Sometimes you shoot myself in the foot, things like that. But uh, I don't know. As far as forecasting goes, I, I'm not a very good uh, fortune teller. But uh, I can only tell you from here, I think things are going to get bigger. I'm going to be a bigger name. I'm going to be... Uh, on the TV screen a lot more, a lot more prominently. Uh, and, uh, you know, for me, hopefully uh, a, lot, a lot richer. <laughs> so that's all I can tell you. But whether that means I'm staying where I am or I'm going somewhere else or I'm in multiple, you know, multiple different arenas, and we'll see what happens. Of course, can't forget Slammiversary, a 15-year anniversary on pay-per-view Sunday, July 2nd, only on pay-per-view. And I got to mention, the first time I really remember you standing out was against the scrap daddy himself, Adam Pierce, for the NWA world title. So I hope this time you stand out even more when you go up against Moose and D'Angelo Williams when you team up with Chris Adonis, a.k.a. C.A. Yes, sir. A little, little, little shout-out to the scrap daddy. I remember that now. That was a good time. But, uh, for sure. Let's uh yeah, we're we're gonna kill it this uh this coming Sunday, or well next Sunday. So uh definitely looking forward to it. Of course everybody don't forget to uh follow me at the Eli Drake on Instagram and Twitter. Uh go get my T shirts at ProWrestlingTees dot com slash Eli Drake and uh get that dummy button for your iPhone or your Android. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome stuff. Thank you so much sir, for uh, the time tonight, and good luck at Slammiversary. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.